Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project, where purpose-driven leaders unite to change the game of life and business forever. Here are your hosts, Susan Hobson and Rob Kalvaroski. Welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. On this week's episode, we welcome Katie Atkinson from The Runway to talk about innovating through disruption. We talk about how Katie is able to to lead her team through such a trying time and how innovation and fostering growth mindset is so important. Before we get into the nuts and bolts of the episode, we wanted to give you a special offer from Runway. The Runway is a full-service marketing agency obsessed with accelerating growth for scale-up businesses. The Runway was created from a desire to bring global brand expertise to entrepreneurs. You can contact Katie at therunwaymedia.com for a free 30-minute consultation, or you can check out their self-service product, Digital Flight Path, designed for entrepreneurs who want to do their own marketing with some professional support. You can find the Digital Flight Path at therunwaymedia.com shop. And lastly, you can follow The Runway Media on Instagram for the latest updates from them. The last thing I want to mention is if you have any questions about leadership, about management, about mindset, feel free to leave us a review on Apple and put your question in the review and Susan and I will read it on the show and answer it on the show. Thanks for listening. And here's the interview with Katie Atkinson. We are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Leadership Launchpad Project. As always, I'm your host, Rob Kalvaroski, and we have our in-house high-performance leadership coach, Susan Hobson. Susan, how are you? I'm excellent, Rob. As always, thank you very much. I'm really excited for our guest today, so let's dig in. Yeah, we're, we have a special guest with us. We have Katie Atkinson. Now, Katie, for everyone out there, you know, they're going to be first to knowing you, and I don't really know you either. So do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I am coming to this podcast all the way from London in the UK. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm the founder of a marketing agency called The Runway Media. Uh, we work with entrepreneurs of all shapes and sizes And the common theme is that we scale their businesses through both digital marketing and also offline media buying. And Katie, I'm so excited to dig into this whole concept of leadership with you because we've been working on your leadership game for almost two years now. I think that's when we first crossed paths. Is that correct? I think about two years. That's correct. So what does the word leadership mean to you? So I had to think a lot about this. And when we first crossed paths, I was working in the corporate world. Um, now I'm an entrepreneur. So it feels very, very different going from managing a big team to kind of uniting people behind a vision as, as the owner of your own business. But for me at the moment, leadership means um, setting a vision and uniting a group of people to work together to achieve that common purpose. Um, I think the leader in a team also has a responsibility for coordinating team members and making sure that everyone understands their role and their responsibility in achieving the vision and is playing to their strengths. So something I just want to dig into is you mentioned that leadership is different in a corporate role than as an entrepreneur. Like, Can you elaborate a little more on that? Sure, sure. I feel that, um, so a little bit of context in a 
in my corporate roles, I've been managing huge teams of like 40 people to kind of coordinating to 60 markets globally. And, and leadership in that context was really about getting things done. It was less about the individual and it was more about the, the vision of the company is set by somebody else. In order to succeed in that vision, we all have to tick off various tasks and how are we going to do that? And there's a deadline. Um, whereas I feel like leadership as an entrepreneur, it's your own business and you 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 set the agenda yourself. And therefore, it's less about um, it's it's less about box ticking and it's more about the people you're working with and what do they bring to the party and, and, and what do they want? Because they don't as an entrepreneur, people don't have to work for you. In a corporate world, you're given a team, but as an entrepreneur, you have to you have to service your your team as much as you have to service your clients, and you have to make sure that you're providing the opportunities they want, or they'll just go somewhere else. Do you feel a- Do you feel like the corporate world limits you as a leader? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think for I, and I was lucky enough to work for some really great companies, so it's nothing in specifically about my old employer, but just more about the corporate world in general. To, to move around the corporate world. So in my old company, there was 40,000 people. But to get things done, you had to know 100 people. And you had to know how to influence those 100 people. And it, so it was le- it, it's quite limiting in a way because you have to know the, the things you have to do, what those 100 people want, what they are kind of aiming for. And you have to make sure you tick off various things that they need in order to get stuff done yourself. I think based on everything that you just said, Katie, it's very fascinating, right? Now that you've stepped into running your own shop, right? Sort of gathering your own team and building your own team. Obviously, it sounds like a whole other style of leadership was required. So I think we should dig into that a little bit. I'm curious to know how you would describe your leadership style now as an entrepreneur. Um, I'd say as an well, I think I was always very collaborative in corporate and and as an entrepreneur, but I think. As an entrepreneur, I'm also very innovative. Um, you have to keep moving, and especially in the world we're in now, you have to keep uh, innovating. And I just love hearing people's viewpoints and people that come from a different background to me in terms of how to run how to run my business. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't have all the answers. I launched my business because I had an itch to become an entrepreneur, and I love learning from other entrepreneurs. I'm working a lot of my team members are entrepreneurs in their own right, so it's really about empowering people to kind of to make the changes that they think we need. Mm-hmm. And that's super important, right? Like you work in the digital space and it's basically yeah. continuous, not like, I mean, everything in the world is continuously changing, but especially in the digital space, like how did you instill that growth mindset into your people? Um, that's so very, Rob, it's very interesting that you say that because um, I was actually, because I was thinking this morning about my approach to leadership and why I'm so obsessed with innovation. And it is absolutely because I've spent 20 years in digital advertising and like to the point where it changes so much that if you look at, back at a document you wrote six months ago, you're like embarrassed of it. <laughs> it's really old fashioned and you can't believe you're like, you even wrote that. Um, but you just have to keep on top of things. And it's not just in terms of new tech, it's in terms of legislation. So like kind of data that you could use to make your job easier a few months ago, you can no longer use. That's always changing. So in terms of instilling growth mindset in your people, I think it's just all about curiosity and it's all about kind of challenging them. So the big thing at the moment, so audio, obviously, Rob, you are an expert on this and also Susan. So podcasts have been around for like 20 years. 
but audio is at the moment it is flying and then we've um, got Clubhouse launching and obviously Clubhouse is quite good for marketing so it's straight away saying okay what do we need to be doing on that how do we just go in and launch a room rather than going okay let's see how people are doing it let's see how we can copy people because the fact is no one knows what to do in these new platforms you just have to kind of dive in and and hope for the best. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't matter. I love that. And that's something like Gary V talks about a lot is just like being the first on a platform, just putting stuff out there and then really just experimenting and finding what works. Like that is growth mindset in a nutshell. But like when you get onto a new platform, like if people are out there, like what is the actual, like what's the leadership tip there? Like how are you getting your people to experiment what things are you, are you just trying things you've tried before? Are you trying to innovate? Like, where is that, like, where is that all coming from? Um, have you read the book, The uh, the Lean Startup? Yeah. Yeah. So it's all about don't wait until you've got the perfect product because you don't actually know that it's perfect until you've put it out there. Mm-hmm. Like you could spend, you could spend weeks scripting. So you could be scripting or something for Clubhouse. You launch it and no one's interested in what you're saying. And, and, and you're talking about totally the wrong thing. So as an entrepreneur, I think it's so important just to try a lot of different things at a low level. And Susan, you and I have talked about lots of different things and we've tried and failed lots of different things. But the important thing is to put it out there, put it out there quickly, seize the moment, fail fast and just put chalk it up to experience. And if it doesn't and if it does work, then even better, then you can quickly scale it. But my main I suppose my main advice to my team is just don't. Don't be a perfectionist because it's never going to be perfect. Like you're never going to put the perfect piece of work out there. So just give it up to put something out there and see if people like it, see if it sticks. That makes to- total sense. Throw it at the wall and see what sticks. I remember my dad saying that as an entrepreneur when I was a kid. So it's it's so cool that that actually is is still the best strategy, right? From a leadership perspective and to, especially for entrepreneurs. I see that a ton in, in my practice with a lot of the leaders that I work with, right? It's just like feeling like they have to have it perfectly prepared and perfectly right before they even try it out. And we talk about this a lot, right, Katie girl? It's like, yeah, you, you can't get stuck on the sidelines as an entrepreneur, especially in the digital space. If, if it's six months and already it's something that's like so archaic and old school, then obviously, you know, you're going to get left behind. So that obviously has inspired your type of leadership uh, as, a, as an entrepreneur with your team. Um, and have they been receptive to that? Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. I'm, my team, absolutely brilliant. I'm, I'm really, really lucky. I work with some really clever people um, who, like I said, are entrepreneurs in their own rights and they've got various businesses and side hustles. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very lucky to work with good people. That sort of brings up a question about hiring practices, like as someone who has scaled up a business, like what do you look for in an employee? Mm-hmm. Good question. A growth mindset. And also someone who's, it's a cliche, but someone who's a self-starter, mm-hmm. like someone who goes, okay, I don't know how to work that. And I'm like, well, I don't know how to work it either. Like we need to find out. <laughs> it's really important, right? When you're entrepreneurial, it's not just the leader that has to have that type of mindset. It's really important that the people on the team share in that or in alignment with that, right? Because, yeah, they have to go out there and they have to hustle and turn up those opportunities and throw it at the wall and see what sticks as well, right? So I think that's obviously something very important to look for when you're, you're trying to build a team as an entrepreneur. You got to make sure they have the same entrepreneurial spirit, 
Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, it's it's hard to hire. It's even harder to hire when it's your own business. But um, yeah, I've been lucky so far. Your business is like your baby. That's what we say. So I'm interested to dig into your mission as an entrepreneur. Do you think you could describe what mission you're on as an entrepreneur for us, for our audience? The reason for <laughs> it's about I'm, I'm, I'm thinking with creepy metaphors now about like giving birth to a business. But, <laughs> but, um, but when I kind of birthed my business, um, I kind of did it because I so we have a marketing business and we work with a lot of startups and scale ups. And I was just seeing people doing things that were really inefficient. And I've had 20 years experience in advertising and, and I could tell them very, very quickly to, to stop doing certain things and start doing other things. And I just really want to help people scale their businesses efficiently. So for example, I was dealing with a client um, who had hired someone full time to look at their Instagram channel, just to do social media posts but the fact is that they that was a grocery client and they're not going to sell much those crisps. They're not going to sell any like chip, potato chips on LinkedIn, on um, Instagram. So actually, that's a really bad use of their resources. And they should probably be deploying that to trade shows. Um, so it's all about trying to give people. So give my clients kind of efficient tools so that they can market their businesses properly. And then, then the, and as a result, kind of architect their lifestyles. So they're not chained to a desk for 15 hours a day. I think those kind of that kind of sweat culture where you're like stuck at your desk for 12 hours never seeing your family it's just it's it's not only irrelevant but I think it's actually quite detrimental to productivity like we're seeing now in this pandemic people are working harder than ever before because they're all working from home they never leave their desks and they're all absolutely burnt out and exhausted and so when I launched my business just to kind of circle back it was to try and help people be as efficient as possible. And, and also with the people that I work with and that are hire, we, um, we hire on a project basis. We have a small team and then we bring in experts based on what we need for that brief. So if we need to buy some TV, we have an independent agency we work with that help us buy TV. Um, so it was all about giving people project-based tasks to help them architect their own lifestyles. Again, so they don't have to, so they can work on their side hustles and they can work on their, on their other pastimes. I love that. And I mean, I want to dig a little more, right? Like what you're saying there is is huge, but also, you know, it has changed because of COVID. Like how have you adapted your business because of the pandemic? <laughs> We've adapted so much and we are still adapting. Um, so we launched as a so we launched as a full service agency, which we still are. We buy digital media, but we also buy outdoor media, posters, radio, TV, everything. Um so when we and we work with startups and scale-ups. So when we first launched, uh, a lot of startups and scale-ups, as you can imagine, they have apps. So a good way to um, to get people to download their apps is uh, is uh, tube car panels. So like posters on the London Underground, because people are sitting there for an hour, they're bored, they've got free Wi-Fi, they download apps, right? So that was and that's what you do when you. But however, the pandemic came, people stopped getting on the London Underground. All of a sudden, people who were looking at distribution through offline stores, suddenly in the UK, you've gone from e-com went from something like 14% to 30% within, I don't know, two or three months in terms of penetration of sales. So everything we've done has changed. So no one wants to buy offline media. Everything's e-commerce, which is fine because that's our bread and butter. Um, but it, it has been quite tricky to tell people that there is still a role for kind of brand building activity and just to buy e-commerce media. So kind of Facebook and Google is actually quite limiting to your business. Um, so we're kind of coming out the other side of that now. We're seeing 
a lot of people who were very, very scared about, about the future of their business. We're in a kind of a time of economic uncertainty who were really pulled back and were like, right, we just want to do retail activity. We just want to do our Google search. We just do our Facebook ads. We don't want to do anything else. Um, who are actually now seeing their businesses suffer. So it's kind of holding their hands as they come out of that. Um, we also launched a project. So very, very quickly, as we saw that all of these professionals, so kind of service professionals, um, such as Susan, such as people who are coaches, uh, people who are personal trainers, um, all of a sudden had to bring their businesses wholly online. And obviously, Susan was pretty ahead of the curve with this, um, but a lot of people weren't, and they were seeing a lot of people in person. So we very quickly created a, a digital guide to, um, to putting your business online. Um, and we had some success with that, and that was quite fun. Um, and yeah, and now what we are now, I think now we're on like pivot number three. Um, and now, yeah, so we started off buying a lot of brand media. Then we started off showing people how to do it themselves. And now we're in the point where we're kind of holding people's hands as we get back, as we hopefully get back to a normal lifestyle. <laughs> I'm curious to dig into that in terms of the magnitude of disruption that you just described. You know, for those who follow along with our show, I'm sure they've heard me say this a lot, but, you know, adversity, my belief is that it's just opportunity for growth, right? That's dressed up in disguise as adversity. So I'm curious with all that disruption, where do you see the biggest opportunities? Um, I think the opportunity is the disruption itself. Um, like the whole world is being absolutely redefined um, and you're either coming along for the ride or you're being left behind. Um, you need to evaluate how your business meets the needs of your consumers for the market we're actually operating in now in 2021. It's no point saying, oh, you know, I launched my business in 2019 and, and right then people were buying tube car panels. So, you know, I, I don't have a business now. Like that's not how it works. You have to You have to define your business for what people actually need. And I think that some people are flying. I've seen some amazing examples. Um, one business we work with, um, she is, runs events. So she runs really high-end birthday parties for like, I don't know, the Prince of Dubai or these really crazy high-end high end events, really, really successful business. Um, overnight, her business is, is, is stopped. Um, she still has the business, but no one's having events and no one's traveling. Um, so she's got an office premises and she's got all of these kind of actors who are, who operate at the party, the kind of children's entertainers and magicians, and they're all on the payroll. So all of a sudden, so she turns her office into a studio and she gets them to make clips for video for children's education. Oh, and she then, so now she's launching an app, she's calling out the Peloton for kind of children's education. So it's much more interactive and lean forward than YouTube. So anyway, that's just a startup we've been talking to. But again, it's, it's a business like that, that I find really inspiring. So she's not saying, oh, I had a big events business and I was really successful. And now it's all over. And like, that's the end of me. She's saying, okay, what do I have to do now? Yeah. So in other words, it's stimulating that curiosity that you were talking about a second ago, right? In terms of where the innovation opportunities lie. Yeah. And yeah. there's probably a ton of it in, in terms of, you know, you said it went from 14% to 30% e-com over in the UK yeah. in two, three months. I mean, that's a massive acceleration, right? It was um, 10 years of progress. Well, if you call it progress, I'm not sure. The jury's still out. <laughs> like, no, but it's true. You know, it's not good for our high streets. It's not good for our local businesses. Yeah. But it, yeah, but it is has sped a lot of things up. Personally, I've been like pure econ for I don't know how many years now, like 15 years, 20 years. And now I can't even get a supermarket delivery slot. So I've gone the other way. Because <laughs> I, I now go to the supermarket in person. 
because yeah. I'm not high risk, so I can't actually get an e-com slot. <laughs> but yeah. it's, I think we're always going to need to have brick and mortar. I think people are missing that human interaction. Um, but I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of being such a visionary, right? Um, do you feel like you have any prediction in terms of whether or not we're going to go back to the way things were, or if we're just going to ride this acceleration wave? And do you think that we're just going to now stay online after the pandemic settles? What's your opinion on that? No, I don't think so. To get a bit political about it, um, women have really felt the brunt of, of this pandemic more than men. Um, globally, I think women have been have lost their jobs at an 80% higher rate than men. And there's a recent quote from the BBC. So it, it has hit women harder. And I think the reason for that is possibly because there might be more women working in the sectors that have been hit hardest, such as like retail or, um, or travel or entertainment, but also because of the effects of homeschooling and the, and the need for that. But I would hope, being an optimist, that actually this is a good thing for for women, for working parents, for carers, of the lot of the actual online processes have now been put into place and the structures where people have got the freedom to do their job more from home. That's what I really hope comes out of this. I mean, I again, being a digital person, I've worked from home for years and it was never a big thing um, at my old office. But I have a lot of friends who've worked in big kind of forward-facing media businesses that were never trusted to work from home. Or I know of women working in banks, like in very senior roles where they were managing massive teams, but on their work from home day, they had to take their stuff home on a USB drive because they weren't allowed to have access to the drives from home. It's insane. So I would hope that as a result of this, when the dust settles, things will be better for work-life balance. Um, but that said, I mean, who wants to sit in their bedroom all day on their laptop? I don't. I am so bored of it. I cannot wait to get into real life. And I feel like the inspiration comes when you're working with other people in real life. So I'm really hoping that we get to a better balance. Does that answer your question? I know that's not a very spectacular answer. I meant to pick one or the other, but it has to be a blend. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Just from the psychological standpoint alone, I know that this is this is a deficit state. Us being stuck at home all day long, whilst it might be more convenient when we're having to homeschool our kids and everything else, well, the kids go back to school. Guess what? I think we're going to want to be back in in public, you know, sectors and interacting and engaging. And yeah, I do think that's a huge not only for our psychological well-being and, and our emotional well-being, but even just from a, what you were saying, innovation standpoint, right? It's like when you get in rooms and you have that energy, it lends itself yeah. to better collaboration, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think what we're doing at the moment is kind of maintaining the status quo. I'm not seeing a lot of interesting things happening. People are getting stuff done. They're servicing clients. Clients are still advertising. But you're not seeing any of that broad brush innovation Mm -hmm. On this side of the pond, anyway. Yeah. No, I, I definitely am hearing it from my leaders as well. I just want to ask, Katie, like how, like because you're, you've moved fully remote, like how do you maintain your culture and your people's engagement from basically a Zoom screen? It's really hard. It's really, really hard, um, especially as a lot of the team are working parents and we're used to doing things efficiently but with good culture. So we, you know, we meet in person and that's where we maintain the culture. But when we're online, it's all about being efficient. So we are, I mean, we use all the regular tools everybody else uses, WhatsApp, Slack, you know, um, Zoom, um, FaceTime. I suppose what actually probably has been helpful is seeing people's real life going on behind them. 
and hearing, you know, and seeing the the kids and the families and, and seeing what's happening, um, it kind of makes you appreciate what's happening with your team. Um, I've done various things like we've had online cocktail parties and online Zumba sessions and all of that. But I'm, um, yeah, it's very difficult. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say it's been a massive success in terms of in terms of culture. I mean, how, how about you two? What, what have you found's worked? We were just talking to an expert in the field of psychological safety on our last podcast, mm-hmm. right, Rob? And he was actually, it's so interesting. He said the exact same thing that you did. He said, actually, this could be great for culture and, and psych safety, right? Is the fact that you actually can humanize the people that you're working with when you see their dog in the background cuddled up next to them or, right? Or you see the pictures yeah. of their families in the backgrounds. It, it humanizes, you know, the people that you're working with. So, yeah, I definitely think that there are pros and cons, right, to everything. But uh, I definitely feel like I see both sides as well. How about you, Rob? Yeah, I'm seeing I'm seeing both sides as well, right? Like my day job, basically everything has gone to non-video. Uh, it's gone to email mm-hmm. and just voice, right? And they're very much like, Katie, what you mentioned about the work from home, like this is, it's like, uh, you know, we're still in the past type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's the other side is like some of these, you know, these businesses, Katie, I, I assume yours is like one of them, but some of these other tech businesses that I interact with, they've basically been fully remote almost always. And yeah, they've just amped sense. up, they've amped up the Slack, they've amped up the video, they've amped up the touch base. And it seems like they've switched most of the touch bases to video versus audio. And I think like for me, I never did video before COVID. And then basically like when COVID hit, I started doing video podcasts because I found that like we could increase the, and I I think it's better to be honest. I I feel like more of a connection and I feel like you can dig a little deeper where before audio it's, I think it's a little weird when you've talked to someone you've never met before. (laughs) Yeah, it helps with the engagement piece, in other words, right? Being able to see people. It's funny, though, our USP before this was like, hey, guys, we're fully remote, therefore our operating costs are lower, so you're getting, you know, big agency service, but but actually now everyone's remote. We were like, (laughs) we have to take that out of the elevator pitch. It doesn't make it sound that new anymore. (laughs) Katie, there's something I want to kind of go back to is this balance between the, the now and the future. Yeah, And I, I think that like you, you were talking about it in, in a sense of like brand building versus selling something today. But yeah. I think that's a common leadership challenge because especially like in my day job, there's very much a balance with what's broken right now and needs to be fixed versus mm-hmm. the plan and the life cycle of the equipment. And yeah. so I just want to dig in a little bit and say, like, how do you manage the tomorrow and the today in as a leader? <coughs> Um, it's really interesting that you say that, Rob. Um, I think as the owner of a marketing agency, that's actually the biggest challenge. And, and Susan, we've discussed this as well. It's dealing with this kind of scarcity mindset in advertisers. Um, and I get where it comes from. Like we're in everyone's business is under massive pressure. We're in severe economic disruption. Like no one, everyone's judged on the last three months. I, I had a phone call from a guy yesterday going, oh no, my ROI's dropped off a cliff and it was so high and da 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 da. And I said, well, can you tell me what time period this happened over and he was like the last two weeks so now I'm putting the business out for pitch and and how is that good for the long-term kind of partnership of him and his agencies 
if he's had a short fluctuation over a couple of weeks, which could be anything, could be anything environmental, technical, and all of a sudden he's like flipping out and he's putting his business up for pitch. Um, so it is hard. It is hard to I understand where people are coming from um, and, and how they want to hold on to every kind of online click and interaction as a measure of success. And they forget about their kind of the long term importance of building their business and building their customer base. Um, but you, you cannot build a business on this kind of performance advertising alone. Um, and I suppose our challenge is to is to prove to clients that the kind of the upturn in their revenue that results from like investing in this longer term activity and 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 also as well as helping explain to our clients for for me and my team and and the cohesion of my team to kind of weed out early on those clients that are operating from a place of scarcity and where we're not going to be able to change that um because because when you're taking on people who are who are really limited in their thinking and the risk they want to take to grow their business, it doesn't give us the freedom that we need in order to build their brand and to test different things and to test new audiences and different types of creative messaging and, and all things we need to be able to do in order to actually drive their business forward. So we've actually, and it sounds pretty brutal, but we're actually quite specific now when we meet new clients in the kind of questions that we ask them to try and dig that out early on if they're the kind of people that we actually want to work with where we can make a difference. Um, have I answered your question? Sorry, I appreciate that it was a bit of a monologue. No, but can we dig? Like, what, what type of questions do you ask to dig out whether they're scarcity mindset or not? Um, have you invested in video? So for us, for us, we need video because video, even if we're trying to sell things online, video works the best. And if they haven't invested in video or they don't plan to invest in video, it means they're not willing to invest in actually in their advertising. It's such a 101 thing now, video. Um, or have you have you invested in a creative agency? Um, again, for us, say if we're running a campaign on Facebook, 50% of the results come from the creative. If the creative is not very good, we, we struggle to sell anything. And if they're not willing to invest in that creative, we're gonna we're not gonna have what we need to work with. And it also kind of it flags early on, red flags. Why haven't they invested? Or um I had a, a friend actually who was who was applying for a job, quite an interesting startup. It was getting quite a lot of coverage that actually had some pretty big investment. And she's a brand director and they were, it was a retail startup selling clothes. And she was like, oh, the first thing she said is your assets don't look great. Who's who's your photographer? And they were like, we haven't got a photographer. And she was like, well, you're selling clothes on a website and you haven't got a photographer. Who's taking these pictures? And so it's it's kind of digging into what they're investing in shows you how, not how seriously they're taking their business, because these people might be taking their business really seriously, but have they got the right mindset to, to build the business forward or are you just going to be wasting your time working with them? And Susan, that's something like we've talked a lot about. Like, how do you identify someone with scarcity mindset? Yeah, I think that's it, right? It's like, you know, people who are afraid to take risks, go outside the comfort zone invest in themselves or the the growth of their business, right? Like all this that we're talking about today in terms of what is absolutely requisite right now in all this disruption, which is the ability to adapt, right? And so I think that's what you're looking for when you're looking into somebody's mindset, right? It's like, are they coming from a space and place of just really trying to hold on tightly to what they have, right? Or are they investing in their future, Right? Are they putting things out there in terms of their time, their energy, their money, their focus? 
that are in alignment with the growth that they want to see and the vision that they have for the future. Absolutely. Because I mean, I think what you, like you're saying, they want to hold on to what they have. Yeah. What you have now isn't going to be what you need next year. Exactly. Yeah. Like, it, things will have changed and you'll still be holding on to it. And, and in order to stimulate growth, you need to be investing your time, energy and focus strategically, right? Towards new opportunities, towards spaces and places that, you know, are new territories that you haven't explored before. So, yeah, I think it's like asking questions in and around their risk tolerance, right? And just like, do they play outside the comfort zone? Is that like a space and place that they actually pride themselves on living in, right? Because I do think whether it's business or any other aspect of our performance, I think that is where, you know, you can really tell if somebody's really going to be able to go the distance in terms of their growth. Yeah, that's brilliant tips. Thank you. Yes. I want to talk about some brilliant tips from a, from a leadership perspective. I'm curious if you could share with our audience, uh, what are some of your favorite leadership tips or strategies or hacks? Oh, well, there's, there's lots, isn't there? There's lots. I think a big thing is to be empathetic, to see what people are going through at the moment. Like we are, this pandemic is a moment in time, um, but I think there's going to be absolutely long-term implications on in a, in a positive and a negative way. And in a negative way on people's mental health, on people's family lives. Um, I'm hearing horror stories of people who are working 15 hour days as alongside homeschooling and then also being asked why they haven't spent 45 minutes watching their company's wellness videos. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just like, it's just absolute madness. Um, and I think that the companies who are exploiting their, their who aren't being empathetic and aren't being patient and aren't treating their employees like adults mm-hmm. are going to see a massive um, exodus of their talent as soon as people have the time to look for a new job. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's a bit of a negative thing, but I, turning it into a positive to be patient, be empathetic with, with the people working with you and to understand their lives outside of work. Um, we're all adults. Everyone wants to get the job done. Um, the other tip and this is actually from an old boss of mine would be to lead by example um I was lucky enough in my last uh, job to work in a really high functioning um smart team where a lot of people actually did have young children um, it's quite uh, it's about 50 50 male and female and the the most senior guy in the department was super kind of a kind of ad, advertising industry veteran you know probably I'm trying to think how old he was, probably 40 years experience, you know, he sat on the global board of the company, you know, big, 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 high profile guy, had also had a very young child of about, I think his child was about five. And he used to leave every day at the office at five o'clock to go and pick up his child from school or from nursery. And seeing the example of him doing that made it okay for everyone else to kind of relax like we all worked really hard and we all were like, I worked on the train on the way home and so did everybody else, but we knew that was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'd be the second one. And then I suppose the third one is just to keep learning and to make sure you give your employees the space and the time to keep learning. Cause I know we've talked about this quite a lot today. It's a bit of a theme, but growth is so important. And if you're not keeping up, you're getting left behind. Um, and also it's not, it's a funny time at the moment. We're all a bit bored stuck in the house. I think, <laughs> I think learning and growth is the only thing that's really keeping people going. Yeah. And I think that growth mindset is how you conquer the scarcity mindset, right? We're talking yeah. about us investing where we're investing our time, energy and focus. And I think that's why I lean so hard into this with my leaders, right? It's like, if we're not investing some of our time, energy and focus towards learning and development 
thinking outside the box so we can get outside the box and outside the comfort zone, right? It's just, again, it's a huge predictor of the sustainability of the business that that leader is trying to grow. Absolutely. I heard something really interesting the other day. I can't remember who the quote was from, but it was about Bill Gates. Oh, it was, it'll come to me who said it. But basically, every time he has a spare moment, he reads a book. And I thought that was really interesting because, I mean, who's... I personally, I find that quite difficult to have the energy to do that. But apparently he just picks up any old book and just starts reading the pages. And that's what gives him lots of different ideas and lots of different viewpoints. I think that's it, right? Because he understands the value of stimulating inspiration. I mean, that's where innovation is going to come from, right? Is like stimulating new ideas. So I think that's, that's oftentimes that's a high performance habit that you'll see a lot of high performance leaders really value, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Anything else in terms of questions that you want to ask, Rob, or do you feel like we covered everything that we're here to cover with Miss Katie? No, I just I, I wanted to kind of go back a little bit where Katie, you mentioned that like the pandemic has is basically split, I think, the workforce. And what I've seen even in my day job is like people are going on at three, four o'clock in the morning. For me, like I I've had notoriously bad sleep this last year and like i've been on sometimes at three four o'clock in the morning where Mm -hmm. last year like pre-pandemic we wouldn't it wouldn't have been possible like how are you coaching and leading your employees to to take care of themselves in this time um it's interesting rob actually i read an an interesting article today about that and it was all about cognitive bounce that it was a a woman who had done a a two-hour presentation then she jumped straight into filming something for International Women's Day. Then she jumped straight into a team meeting. Then she straight into, whereas normally for even just to do the two hour presentation, it was a multi-market thing. She would have flown to a country. So she would have flown there, done the presentation, had drinks after, you know, been able to unwind, talk to someone in the taxi. And it was all these things together are just exhausting us because you're kind of going back and forth all the time. Um, I think, and it's, it's, easy, it's very easy to say, it's harder to do. But again, it's all about allowing people to have boundaries and say, no, I can't do that. These are my lead times. I can't, I will get back to the email within 12 hours. You cannot expect a response from me, even if I am online at four o'clock in the morning. It doesn't mean that I'm working on your thing then. Um, A friend of mine's got quite a good little thing on her email signature, actually. It says, I will, I may have sent this email outside office hours because that's the time that works best for me. But please do not feel compelled to reply at that time which I thought was quite nice because she's a senior person in a senior position. And if you get an email from your boss at eight o'clock, you do think, oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's huge, right? This is like a huge lesson in boundaries because like now we've had to rethink our boundaries as we're working from home and we're kind of, we don't have anybody looking over our shoulders, right? So it's really compelling us to step into self-responsibility, which is what we talk a lot about here at the Leadership Launchpad Project. So I'm, I'm, that's me being the optimist. That's where I see the silver lining in all of this. I think if anything, it's really empowered that space for us to really step into self-responsibility. And I think boundaries are a huge part of that, right? You teach yeah. people how to treat you, right? And I think that that's, that's obviously something that typically we might struggle with when we're at the office, right? Because of the way that that's all primed and set up for us. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm hopeful that that's, that's something we're going to take with us out of this whole pandemic experience. Mm. Katie, what do you want your legacy to be as a leader? 
Oh, it's a big question, Susan. I've got. <laughs> oh, me, I love them big questions. Yeah, I'll give it a big answer. Yeah, <laughs> please. Yeah, I, so I would like to define a new way of doing things. So whereas success in business doesn't mean sacrificing your family or your mental health. And for me, that means supporting entrepreneurialism. Um, and that's not not everyone wants to run their own business. But I think that you can be entrepreneurial within the corporate world, too. You can define a different way of doing things. You can define flexible working. You can work in a contract way within the corporate environment. Um, and I think the more that we support entrepreneurs, the more that we find more efficient ways of doing things so that we can be a bit smarter with the time and the resources that we actually have. So for me, that's kind of, I would like to redefine what business success looks like for myself and for the people that I work with and for my clients. We love that because that totally aligns with our mission here at the Leadership Launchpad Project. You know, this really is what we're, you know, trying to capitalize on and all this disruption with this thought leadership that we're putting out every single week. We really see, we see the opportunity in this adversity, don't we, Rob? We, we, we've been saying this, Katie, uh, I think we have a, cha- a chance not only to get back in the game here, uh, you know, once everything kind of rolls back to to being back live and in person and all that. But I do think the opportunity is we have a a chance to change the way that the game of life and business is being played forever based on everything that we've learned in all of this disruption. Yeah. So we're right there with you, right, Rob? That completely aligns with why we created this whole experience for our people. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, for me specifically, like what I'm, what I'm on a mission to do is, is, is have people, engage and be happy at work. And I think that starts through leadership, both as us as individuals, but also leadership as people who are, you know, managers or in companies that have those responsibilities. And there's something that I'll go back to Simon Sinek and then we'll get us there. We'll get us out of here. But something he says is, is about leadership as being a choice and it's a choice to care about the people on our right and on our left. And I, I think that that right there is is where I'm at with this. And so, Katie, uh, wrapping up here, if people out there want to connect with you, want to follow you, want to find more about your business, where can they find you? Um, so you can find us on our website, which is therunwaymedia.com, um, on our Instagram handle, which is conveniently also at The Runway Media, or you can uh, email me, katie, at therunwaymedia.com. Thank you, guys. Thanks very much for having me today. I've really enjoyed it. No, thanks for joining us. And for us, absolutely, like subscribe to the Leadership Launchpad Project on your favorite podcast platform. We're on pretty much all of them. Definitely tell your friends about the show and your colleagues about the show. And if you want to drop Susan and I a question, go to Apple, leave a rating and review and put your review in the review and we'll read it and answer it on the show. We'd really appreciate that. That helps us with ratings. And the last thing you can follow the Leadership Launchpad Project on LinkedIn and you can go to elitehighperformance.com slash leadership to check out more and sign up for the newsletter. Susan, do you want to leave us with anything? 
I just want to say thank you, Katie girl, for coming in today and sharing this all with us. I think this really is exciting for us to dig into uh, collaboration, innovation, vision. I mean, these are things I'm constantly day in and day out trying to compel people to think about. Um, but yeah, I think I just want to leave us with this, this call, right? Let's, let's share this you know, podcast with anybody out there that you feel like really needs the wake up call in terms of where all this opportunity is buried in the adversity. Cause I really just think, you know, that's why we created this whole leadership launchpad project. We really need you guys on this mission so that we really can change the way the game of life and business is being played forever. It's absolutely true. And for me, the last thing I'll say is just like COVID has pushed disruption on us. It's pushed change on us. And it's our responsibility to find the opportunity in that change. And when everything goes back to normal because vaccines are getting rolled out, you know, rates are dropping, we need to be able to pick the items that we've found that work and that make our lives better and keep holding on to those and throw out the rest. And so it's not it's not a time to go back to what was before. It's a time to capitalize on that disruption, capitalize on that change and move us forward. So Katie, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Katie. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you all next week. Bye everyone. Bye.